Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. One of the most common statements I hear from couples is, we don't communicate. And the thought in my head is, of course you do. You just don't like what is being communicated. And the truth is, you cannot not communicate. You're doing it all the time, with words or without words. Because no more than 10% of communication is actually the words that come out of our mouths. The rest is facial expression, body language, tone, all of that other stuff. And walking away is communicating. Sighing is communicating. Touching is communicating. The more important questions are, what are you communicating and why? Are you contributing to the success of your relationship or are you impeding it? What you say and how you say it, as well as how personal you're willing to get, are the determiners of how healthy and happy your marriage is going to be. And the good news is, is that there is a specific and teachable way to improve your level of communication that will bring you the love and connection that most people want. So I'm joined today by fellow marriage and family therapist, Dr. Marnie Foreman. She's back to talk about this process. So Marnie, thank you so much for coming back and you know, telling people they can actually learn how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you actually can learn how to have these conversations um, with your partner so that you are communicating clearly and effectively, just like what you said. You can't not communicate. You're always communicating. Um, but a cuni- communicating effectively, we know, is, can be a very <laughs> different ballgame here. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, what I tell people, it's like we start talking when we're, you know, maybe a year old, 18 months old, and at that point in time, everybody is hanging on our every word trying to figure out what it is we're saying, and somehow that teaches us that that's always going to be that way, but it really doesn't work. Right. So you wrote a really interesting article, Carl, entitled Conversations Every Couple Needs to Have that really highlighted the impact of effective communication, and it wasn't about the skills of communication so much as it was actually deeper than that. And it's about the seven key conversations couples, all couples need to have. And so before we get into those seven, you also mention in this article three primary needs each partner has that they, they're trying to use communication to get met. So can you identify what these three are and, and maybe define them a little bit? Sure, but let me let me um, put first sort of put it in the framework for how this all came about. Um, mm-hmm. This is based on the work of Dr. Sue Johnson, who wrote a book called Fabulous. "Hold Me Tight." Yes, yeah, seven conversations for a lifetime of love. Who everyone in a relationship needs to read, or anyone looking for a relationship needs to read. And she also developed emotionally focused couples therapy, which mm-hmm. is the clinical version of the, the material, essentially. Um, but she, of course, wanted to write a book that anyone could read and understand and, you know, that you and don't you have to necessarily be a therapist to get to understand mm-hmm. these concepts. So um, 
the then she developed a workshop, and I do the workshop <laughs> a couple times a year, um, so that we take people through these conversations very um, methodically and give them exercises to do so that they can learn them as well. Um, mm-hmm. But what where the end goal? of the conversations and what we are trying to achieve with couples is to create, um, of course, closeness and connection, but most importantly, safety, trust, and what we call attunement, which also develops safety and trust. And attunement is about being in sync and feeling like you're understood and um, and this is a back and forth between, of course, two people. And uh-huh. so the three primary needs we use, or I should say that, that Dr. Sue Johnson developed the acronym A-R-E. So it's an easy way to remember um, these three needs. And the A is accessibility, the R is responsiveness, and E is engagement. Okay. So when we are looking at couples and them developing this safety, trust, and attunement. Um, we want people to feel like they're, that they're accessible to each other, so accessible meaning that you can reach them, um, that you're heard, um, that, you know, when you're, and this could be big and small just throughout the day even. I mean, it could be a major that you have your loved one that you can easily reach when you need them, but also uh-huh. just throughout the day that you feel like, hey, I'm on their mind. I'm important. <laughs> they know, you know, it's not just I'm ignored all day and, you know, and then at the end of the day we're supposed to connect. I mean, that's very hard to do. So mm-hmm. um, they're accessible. And then they're responsive. So you can rely on your partner to respond to that, to, to respond to you, emotionally um, respond to your needs, not just ignore or dismiss your needs. And engagement is about feeling valued and feeling that they're going to stay close to you um, and that they're going to, um, they're involved. You feel like they're there for me. I think it's the ultimate question of um, Will you be there when I need you? I can reach right. you. You respond when I when I call out. All of those things, which I'm sure as I'm talking make sense, that they make you feel safe and secure and connected in a romantic relationship. And all, and all the things that we get into relationships to achieve or to have. Right. So Right. We all go in saying, hey, here's what I'd like to get out of this. I want the person that I can really count on that has my back. Right. And so it's interesting how we get off track. And I find it, and I'm familiar with Sue Johnson's work, and I think she's fabulous. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm the first set of conversations, in fact, because you talk, there are seven of them, and the first four are actually about dealing with the negative interactions that have been created in the relationship that leave people feeling disconnected. So can you, I mean, can you go through what those four are? Yeah, sure. Um, The idea is that when when people are arguing over some of those things you mentioned, you know, sex, kids, mm-hmm. money, all of that stuff, a right. lot of times it's what's under the surface, um, but what's buried 
what's buried in that are those three needs that I that I talked uh-huh. about. And so sometimes people argue, even over very stupid things like the remote control, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But yeah, it's not about the remote control. It, it never right. is about the remote control. Right, and certainly parenting and things like that are are very important issues. But when we don't feel like we're on we're a team with our partners to come together and solve them, we're we're left feeling alone and that we don't have our partners to problem solve. Uh-huh. And so then these things get channeled into these disagreements and um negative cycles come up is what we what we tend to call them uh negative Absolutely. cycles or patterns and mm-hmm. um and so once you can get unstuck from those and recognize hey this we're getting really stuck here in this pattern for example the most common one would be one pursuing someone pursuing for connection or pursuing for the conversations wanting to talk making those reaches, and then we have another partner we often term uh, the withdrawer, so they often may shut down or move away or dismiss, and then the Mm -hmm. more that person does that, the pursuer might escalate, and then the more that pursuer escalates, the more the withdrawer withdraws, and you can see it's just sort of this endless loop. Um, Uh And so the conversations... um, Part, part of them, the very first one, involves recognizing the pattern or recognizing what we term the demon dialogue. Um, right. So the couples will start Frequently to precipitated mo- by yeah. the five, five worst words of, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> yes, yes. And so we want to look at, well, what, what are those typical behaviors, reactions, what do you think? Like, what, what do you think when you hear your partner say, I, we need to talk? Yeah. What fears mm-hmm. come up? What feelings? <laughs> um, what are the reactive ones versus the under-the-surface ones? What are you afraid is going to happen? And so we sort of sparse out these different elements of the conversation, um, of the dialogue, we'll call it the demon dialogue, and okay. so that we can start to identify those moves Okay, well, what's your move that triggers my move? You know, what mm-hmm. just happened that made me say what I said? What do I think? What is it, where does it take me back to? Sometimes it's these early experiences mm-hmm. we've had in our, you know, family history even. Um, so it always has meaning. So we don't – the reaction people have, it's interesting because when I do the, the couples therapy – Things that don't seem to make sense on the surface always start to make sense once we uncover them. You know, once we right, start to realize, oh, well, when your partner said that or this thing happened or you saw the look on her face or you heard the tone, what mm-hmm. did it say to you? What did you tell yourself? What did you start thinking? Yeah. What, what did you feel? So when we start uncovering that, often people have a very new understanding and um, yeah, they you start uncovering the these things they didn't know. You watch the light bulbs go off, which is which is always yes. so cool. Yes, so what, definitely. What's the second conversation? So we have the demon dialogue. What's the next conversation that tackles the negative aspects? The next conversation is sort of taking the elevator down an, another level with the demon dialogue, and it's about finding the raw spots. So we all have our um, – maybe our reaction is – 
um, seems, like I said, out of the blue, or it seems mm-hmm. impulsive or sudden, or we're not understanding it, we're not getting it. Or over the top, a- yeah. Yeah, yes. Like when someone's triggered and you're like, why did that cause that? You know, when you're kind of looking at your partner and you're going, I don't understand. Why did you react so strongly? And Mm -hmm. often it's because something hit on that person's raw spot. Um, And it, and there's vulnerability, there's vulnerable feelings underneath mm-hmm. the reaction and underneath the trigger. And so when we get people to start to figure out what those are, sometimes they're not so conscious and, and they're not in the forefront of someone's awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you, you peel back those layers, you find that it's often about something that is it's hitting them into their core and it's um we call it a raw spot because it's like it's being touched off in that moment mm-hmm. a typical thing if i were to give an example is um let's say somebody doesn't call um call consistently or call when they say they're going to call and it may be uh-huh. that they're a good person but they're just um you know, easily distracted or something. And so the partner has an over-the-top reaction. You know, you said you were going to call me at 2 p.m. or text me at 2. You didn't do that. And let's say they go into a whole rant over it. Mm-hmm. And then we find out, okay, under the surface, this is what happened to them when they were young, that they were maybe abandoned or mm-hmm. this is something a parent frequently did and they never felt like they could They never felt that safe parent. and secure. Mm-hmm. Right. So it hits, it hits that off. It sort of hits that deep inside. And a lot of times people don't even know. They don't, they're not aware until they start uncovering that, oh, this is why it affects me so much. And mm-hmm. they can clearly state it to their partner why, you know, when you say you're going to call, why it's so important that it's not just I'm being crazy. You know? and I, and, <laughs> or or I'm not trying to control you, it, but it does have to do with this yes. underlying um, need. Okay, so what's the exactly. third? conversation the third conversation um, we call revisiting a rocky moment and so once people start to recognize the patterns and the demon dialogue and start to uncover the raw spots um, we like them to then say try to begin to have a conversation um, about something that may be um, a problem that they're having over and over that keeps coming up, that they don't Mm -hmm. understand why it's gotten so out of hand or out of control or it's gotten to so much intensity when they try to talk about it. And so they're trying to have this new conversation um, from a safer place where, you know, they can de-escalate the conflict, maybe they can repair a bit, and they can build more emotional security while they're, tr- mm-hmm. they're having this, this talk. Um, and so they're going back to it to kind of say, hey, can we, try it? can we try this again now that we have this new understanding of each other? Interesting. Okay. That sounds good. And then what's the fourth one? The fourth uh, conversation is, is what we term the hold me tight conversation, also the A-R-E conversation. So if we go back okay. to the A-R-E acronym mm-hmm. for um, accessible, responsive, and engaged, um, we want to, ha- to sort of guide them through this conversation so that they are um, strengthening their connection, and um, they are more emotionally engaged and responsive to each other. So they they have the conversation 
over again with the ARE in mind. Okay. All right. And often they're fostering empathy. That's really, I would say, the biggest piece of it is that rather than just, you know, get defensive, someone might be listening to what their partner's saying and, and they are able to respond from an empathic place because they have this new information from their partners. And that's really important for that. So this oh, is Happily yeah. Ever After is just okay, beginning on, on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having an incredibly important conversation with Dr. Marnie Foyerman, marriage and family therapist, about the type of communication couples should be having if they want a healthy, secure, and loving marriage. And if this is something you want, I encourage you to get started today, right this minute. Give me a call or send me an email to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after strategy session. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. And I want to get back to this really important conversation um, about how we can repair and reconnect and, and have those wonderful marriages that we say we want. So we've now, Marnie, we've gotten rid of all the negative stuff. We've, we've figured out what we're fighting, you know, what, what's happening. We're having our, recognize our patterns. We're understanding our raw spots. We're, we're being able to revisit old conversations. So great. We've got all the, we've got all the junk cleaned out. <laughs> um, and then you talk about the next two conversations that couples should have address ways that they can promote emotional bonding, which is, of course, really what we want. So what are these two conversations, and, and why are they so important? Sure. Um, well, one of the conversations that I think promotes healing is about forgiving injuries. And mm. we know that when there's these old emotional hurts or even what we call sometimes attachment injuries, um, they can block intimacy and block having a secure connection. And the reason it's called um, an attachment injury, it's, it's usually the hallmark of it is when there was a certain time or point in, your, in the life of your relationship, possibly early on or even currently if it's something like, um, like a betrayal, where you felt like your partner wasn't there for you. And mm-hmm. um, it could have been when you were sick or ill and you didn't feel like they were, they were there in the way they should. They really let you down. And mm-hmm. you may have on some level, on maybe a superficial level, just said to yourself, hey, I'm moving on and, you know, I, I can't stay stuck there. Right. Even so, sometimes those things do come haunting back and mm-hmm. they create a block to moving much further along in these ARE conversations and and in having a safe connection. And they need to be revisited. They need to be spoken about. Interesting. Yeah. So you would have a similar conversation based on the ARE, but it wouldn't necessarily be about current issues or problems you're having. It, It would be more about 
all right, I need to go back in time to when you, when this happened, and I need mm-hmm. to talk about it, and I need to feel heard and understood, and that you get my pain. My pain matters to you. And so there's, way, there's a way to have this type of a conversation as well to feel like, all right, you know, I can really put it away. I can really move on, and I feel like my partner understands what they did in it. And mm-hmm. It's very, very, very unlikely they're going to do this again because they, they heard they how much they it, get it impacted me. Yes, they get well, it. And it's really, it's really interesting because I'll, I'll, I'll have people in my office say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really over this. And I will be very respectful. I say, you know, based on how much emotion is still attached in, in your words and your affect and your presentation, I'm going to hazard the guess that maybe you're not past this. And, you know, and, and it's because they really want to be or their partner yeah. really wants them to be, but they're not. And that is a huge block. So that's an important one. So what's the other yes, reconnecting conversation? The, the, the next conversation okay, has to do with something that I think people really struggle to talk about, which is sex and physical <laughs> intimacy. <laughs> yeah. We have an easy time oh, yeah. just doing it, but we have a very hard time talking about it. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Is that, is that not I – mean, yes, and a lot, of, and a lot of, of our colleagues don't ever want to go there. And it's like, okay, this is a really important <laughs> aspect. We have to – as professionals, we have to be willing to talk about this. So – so, okay, yeah. so we're on to sex. Yeah. Okay, so how do people talk about this? In a similar way, only, of course, the topic is sex and physical touch and um, what, you know, what will make you feel, again, that sense of safety and security because you're getting the physical affection that you're looking for, but that you feel, um, I mean, I think the idea is that the safer you feel in the relationship and the more secure you feel, the more open and free you're going to feel sexually with your partner. So mm-hmm. um, it's not, I mean, of course, people sometimes um, think, oh, i got to do something interesting or different or novel or whatever to spice it up. <laughs> Hang from and the chandeliers, those, right? Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, that's and some of those do, things right? are bad or wrong, right. but sometimes it's just being able to have a conversation about what you um, – what you want, what you desire, what makes you feel good in a way that doesn't sound critical or, um, mm-hmm. or again, controlling or bossy or, or someone's maybe not um, sulking because they're not getting what they want. But you can actually have this conversation as well and that the physical piece, of course, creates bonding um, and connection within between a couple, but if they can't talk about it, how are they going to know what's working and what's not working? And right. so that's and, what that conversation's about. And it's an incredibly personal conversation, which is really why I see why it's an important one to have and and an important one to connect, um, because we talk, you were talking earlier about vulnerability, and this is you know because. In many cases, we are we are naked both literally and figuratively when we are be, being physically intimate with each other, and that's you know, and it's like all of our insecurities, and you name it, and you know, and it 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 isn't mm-hmm. necessarily about doing you know bedroom gymnastics, although as you said, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's more about really being able to connect 
completely, which, you know, is a lot of times the difference, the way I define it, the difference between having sex and making love. (laughs) Yes, and I think there's been a lot of research that says how important the physical can, mm-hmm. physical part is you we need touch um, we need to get those pot, those hormones going the oxytocin going um, and that comes through physical contact and so I know there's some people who think I'm just not that way or I'm not affectionate and um, and you may not be but I but I think making the effort in that direction um, it will become less awkward for people who don't maybe you know do this as readily or as easily. Um, but I think you will you will bond more with your partner by adding more of the physical piece if it's maybe not your um, your natural way. Uh, so I think people have to realize that as well. Well, and this is becoming really, really important because there are a lot of marriages or relationships that qualify as sexless, which I believe is less mm-hmm. than one having having being physically intimate, and I don't know whether it has to require intercourse or whatever, but basically being physically intimate less than one time per month. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there seems to be even coming up with the younger generations that they're having less sex. So I don't know if this, you know, and again, pornography would be a whole other conversation, but there's lots of reasons for this, but you bring up the bonding hormone and the information that people need to understand that women can access oxytocin relatively easily. Men have a harder time, and that's really where the the physical intimacy in the relationship comes from, and I think people need to really understand that. Um, So, and then you talk about the final conversation that couples should be having as a way to help couples care for their relationship on a consistent, regular basis. So how can couples do this? Because this is really, you know, the way, and you and I have talked about this before, about if we can keep people out of trouble, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot easier than trying to, you know, if we can keep people healthy, it's a lot easier than to have to go in and, and, and help them get well. So how can couples do this? Right. Um, I think it's about being very deliberate and mindful about maintaining the connection with your partner, doing the the little things, doing rituals, um, having the date nights. I mean, that's sort of all the stuff that sometimes we consider um, kind of fluff, I would say. Some people say that. Um, But it it doesn't work. Usually those things don't work too well if you haven't, done all the other stuff that I that we just talked about that's sort Uh of like building that foundation but this keeping your love alive and the spark piece is important as well because that's the that's the day-to-day stuff and I know this isn't a um, necessarily a science-based or research-based book but it's so popular it's the one about the five love languages Uh I think something like that book that's where this comes in. It's about knowing that there's a lot of things you can do. You can speak your partner's love language. You can do these small things that show that you love them every day. Uh, and we know also doing new things together, um, trying, trying different types of, of um, activities, you know, things that create the novelty that create that stimulation in the brain that kind of reminds you, well, here's why I fa- mm-hmm. fell in love with this person. And so that's what the last piece is about, is to just main, you do have to maintain. 
Right, and and this is you know this is one of those things where if we just kind of keep doing the things that we did when we got together. Now, obviously, you know, there's time factors that come into play, and children are some of the worst things that happen to romantic relationships <laughs> um, because yeah. they are little because they are little little time demons. I mean, you know, not through any fault of their own, but they require a lot of time. And so it's one of those things where if you can consistently have these date, you know, these daily rituals, um, that and and weekly rituals and you know I always tell my couples just like yes you know you have to you know date night is important but but for me date night is you have fun together it's not you go to mm-hmm. a, you know your restaurant and dissect the relationship it's like oh my god who wants to do that right, <laughs> right. but it's going no it's just it's like, like you said fun fun <laughs> right you know and and That's trying novel things and you know and 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 sometimes it's like I tell people you don't even necessarily have to leave your home to do it, although you do have to make sure the little rugrats are someplace else because, you know, I used to tell my kids, you know, do not come into the dining room when dad and I are having our Friday, because we used to have a Friday night dinner with candles in China and, you know, the whole thing and the kids were somewhere else. Thank goodness for VCRs. I'm dating myself now. Um, But it was like, you do not come into the living room unless the house is on, I mean, the dining room unless the house is on fire or one of you is bleeding. Right. Right. It's great. You know, it's setting it's setting those parameters, and you know the kids were fine. You know, once we they got into the habit of it, well, I mean, they were fine with it. That's just what happened on Friday nights. It was not a big deal. Um, but it's it's I love the fact that you talk about you know the intentionality of it because I think one of the things that get couples off track is they put their relationship kind of on the back burner it's okay not really any problems we've got all these other things to pay attention to and then you know either it boils over on the back of the stove and you know or you know we forget that it's even there and then when our kids grow up and go away which is what they're supposed to do we look at each other going who are you and why are you in my kitchen you know right right exactly no i think you're you're right on track with that and that's what that this last conversation is about it's maybe even sitting down and and talking about these things and saying i would love to do this or i'd like to do a friday night game night every week or it's just really making it very explicit um and then, of course, carrying through on an action plan uh, for <laughs> yes, making sure that. those things happen. And that's about keeping your love alive. And I do think that all these other stages, because if we've built up these negative habits or these negative interactions, we have to, we have to get rid of the junk. We have to clean that out so that we can do these, you know, the, these other things. And so can you tell people how they can learn more about this, how they can learn more about you, um, because you write such great stuff. And I really think that you know, people just need to have access to as much information as they can possibly get. Sure. Well, you can find a lot of stuff on my website, of course, which is www.thetalkingsolution.com. That's all one word. And um, if you are interested in the workshop, um, I do hold it in South Florida, and the website for that is www.hmtflorida.com. So HMT for Hold Me Tight, 
Florida, all one word, dot com. Um, but there are workshops. If you Google Hold Me Tight workshops, it, something should come up where they do hold these all over the country. So there's lots mm-hmm. of different um, therapists who um, hold the workshop, and it's, an, it's a really, uh, it's gotten just such a wonderful reputation because I think people get so much out of it, um, and they end up really liking it and feeling like it was a wonderful experience with their partner. Most people end up going, and, and I can't tell you how many times I hear <laughs> someone say, I didn't realize this about him, or I didn't know that about right. her. So that's what's remarkable to me. I mean, people who've been married sometimes 10, 15 years are saying that. So I love, I love when I hear that. Um, and, of course, the book, I would definitely recommend reading the Hold Me Tight book. And so it's, that, yes. it's all such, a va- such valuable resources for couples. Absolutely. And so what people need to understand is that marriage is a series of connecting or connection, disconnection, and repair. And where most couples get stuck is in the movement from when you're disconnected to repairing the relationship. And the process that we've talked about today is an incredibly effective way to make that step easier. And the better you get at this, the stronger and more satisfying your marriage will be. So hopefully one of the things you'll do to keep your marriage stronger is to keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving. 